I remember when I was 12 doing a workout where I just ran like a 100 meter, walked 100. I did it about eight times and it was gassed. Track was what made me involved in the world of adaptive sports. She's 15 years old and she's a rising star on the North Jersey Navigators, which is an adaptive sports club for juniors with disabilities. She competes in track and field, swimming, triathlon, and soccer. She currently holds the number one U.S. ranking in her division in the 100 meters and the long jump, and is number one in the world in her division in the 800 meters. She won two bronze medals at last year's Parapan American Games in Lima, Peru, and was the only female player to compete at the 2019 Friendship Cup Soccer Tournament in Dublin, Ireland. When Katharina is not training or studying, and she is an excellent student. She was telling me about all the AP courses that she's taking as a sophomore. She plays the violin in her school orchestra. She sings a cappella in the um, after-school choir, and somehow found time to write and publish two young adult fantasy adventure books. All the proceeds from the sale of the books go to the Navigators and to the Challenged Athletes Foundation. It's my great pleasure to introduce Katarina Kumaric. I was born with cerebral palsy. It's the way my brain communicates with, you know, the other parts of my body. It affects my left arm and then both my legs, which I know standing up here and watching that video, some of you probably like, what? That doesn't really look like anything. She kind of can run pretty normal, which was not always the case. And recently I've been working a lot harder to keep it that way. But I was diagnosed when I was two. When I was learning to walk, I actually, I would walk on my toes, but my toes would be turning purple, it'd be painful, I wouldn't be able to get up the stairs, and that eventually my parents were like, there is something wrong with this child. <laughs> so we went to went to doctors, and it turned out that I had a neurological condition called cerebral palsy. I know now that with cerebral palsy, it's very important to stay active and continually doing things because the more in pain, if you don't do anything all day, then if you go out and like do a training session or just like stretch or something like that. So from a very young age, I started doing sports. And the first sport I started was Taekwondo. I did it for 10 years. I am a sec well, retired second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Taekwondo started as more of a therapeutic kind of way to work with my CP because on my toes, Taekwondo forced you to stay grounded. You had to, I'd have to use my left arm a lot, which actually, I used to be, I used to be able to extend my arms evenly. I haven't been training in Taekwondo, so it's kind of receded back to its normal state, but it's still better than most because a lot of people don't have that therapeutic um, way of dealing with their disability and their arms are very catchy and stuff like that. So Taekwondo was how I learned to like ground myself with my CP. And then eventually I started doing other things. I did rock climbing for a while, which was another kind of therapeutic way because it focused again on reaching with my arms and I had to trust my legs, which is very hard to do as a CP athlete because because everything is mental, right? Because you have to think about everything. And when you 
are doing rock climbing, you have to trust your legs, which even to this day, I somehow, I'm sometimes have trouble doing. Like, I'm doing starts, and it would be so bad because I can't trust myself to carry myself through starting block. And rock climbing became a very good way to like build up my confidence in trusting my legs. At age eight, I competed in Atlanta, Georgia. I did it for two consecutive years. Unfortunately, the team disbanded due to financial difficulties. But later on, I found myself immersed in the world of track. I started when I was 12, and I was used to being the slowest all the time. I think they have this competition when you're in elementary school. It's like the 40-meter dash. I trained for like three months. I got dead last. It was uh, kind of sad. But it's, you know, <laughs> there, it is, we are better now. Um, <laughs> I started training. I wasn't that serious about it. I would have trouble running 100. And then uh, we trained at the same track that I did last year. And Saturday, I did a 600 meter workout. I remember when I was 12 doing a workout where I just ran like a 100 meter, walked 100. I did it about eight times and I was gassed. Track was what made me involved in the world of adaptive sports. I've made so many friends with cerebral palsy and spina bifida, missing limbs. Most of my friends are, have some, some sort of disability. And that is all due to like track and what like the navigators have basically done. What I do most days now, I wake up at five in the morning. I get up in the morning and I stretch. I do core, I do some strength work. And that is all just to prepare me for school, <laughs> which is another challenge all on its own. But I have learned throughout my life a very important part of having disability is dedication because you have to kind of take things with stride. And my main quote, which was on here, it's obstacles were made to be conquered. And I feel like that is so important because there is a reason why challenges are put in front of you and it is because like, there's something in you that tells you that you can get through those. That motivation that I learned was through all the sports that I've done because when I was little, growing up with Taekwondo, I am very tiny, I'm five feet tall, kind of petite, and I had a disability. So doing Taekwondo as a young, young child was a struggle because everyone was taller than me and bigger than me and had longer arms and longer legs. It was just, it was interesting. So I, we, every morning before class, we would recite these things called the principles of Dokudo. The main principles were character, self-confidence, respect, perseverance, determination, integrity. Before all those words, we would say like, this is what this is and like why we do it. So perseverance and determination have always stuck with me because I would fall a lot. I still fall a lot. As a CP, you fall a lot. It is something that happens. And perseverance and determination is what tells you to get back up after you fall, because that is the most important part, is not how many times you fall, it is how many times you get back up. Eighth grade, I was sick. I got a call from my coach. He was like, cat, cat, guess what? I was like, what? He's like. You got selected to go to the Adaptive Sports USA a competition in Ireland. And I was like, oh, that, is, that sounds cool. 
from then on, I was just, it was a lot of training. So that summer was the summer that I knew that I wanted to do track. Doing 300s consistently is not fun for anyone. No one likes it, even like professionals, they don't like it. I, I can tell you that right now, they don't like to do it. But they do it because they know that it's not, it's not how bad it is right now. It's when you're standing on the podium because you just won a silver medal in Ireland. That's why you do it. It's not because of it. And in Ireland, I was introduced to international competition, which is very challenging because there's so many people. So after that competition, I was, I was motivated. I was like, all right, let's go. What's next? Because it was just that, that drive to continue to do more. I was able to meet all these athletes and see what it was like in like the world of elite level competition. And I got to say, it is kind of crazy. But um, there are so many people that are just like so focused and so there. And they all, all of them are like know that they're here and they're like, I want to win. I want to be part of this. And they all have their own set of standards like on what is good, what is bad. Like, and because everyone's a different classification, everyone has a different disability, different level of disability, uh, it is very strange to see like someone who has, is like missing a foot run like a 12 second 100 be like, oh, that was so bad. And I'm just like, yeah, I wish that was bad. But I also like learned, I was like, okay, this is, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to keep training and pushing. And, and I came back and I was like, all right, now, now I know that I, I, can, I can sort of do it. So let's, let's make our goals bigger. So I have a countdown on my fridge. There are 63 days until the next major competition. I know that it's baby steps, so that's the first major one. So I'm just working my way towards each little baby step because my goal every time I train is just 1% better. Because if you get 1% better every time, it accumulates. De I mean, depending, because like if it's in the long jump, it gets, but in the 100, it kind of gets smaller every time if you get 1% better. And that is where I am now with track, basically. I'm just training and trying to get podium for Tokyo. Another thing that I have been doing pretty much all my life is soccer. Soccer is a little bit more challenging because I'm the only female my age that is doing CP soccer right now. Because a lot of CP athletes, what happens is they get, they get to level, like elementary school, middle school. Middle schools are tough. They can be a little harsh sometimes. Around the middle school age, they stop doing track, like 9, 10, 11, 12 or they stop doing soccer, they stop doing these sports because they realize it's like, whoa, I can no longer keep up with you. Uh, and they break down on themselves a lot. That because of that happens, and it's, I feel like it's more with, it girl, I feel like it happens with girls first. And then it does happen with guys too. They tend to not do these sports because they can no longer keep up with them. That or they have to spend like months in serial casting so they can't actually run. Serial casting is basically they pull your foot back, put you in a cast, and you're like that for a week. And then the next week you come in, they pull your foot back a little more, then you're in a cast, and you're like that for another week. And it happens four to six weeks, depending on who you are, how bad. They tend to stop. It's just like, I, can, I, can't, do, I can't do these, so I'm just going to stop, sit here, do something else. That happens so often. And that's why associations like the Navigators and stuff are so important, because it gives people like me and people like other people with 
disabilities a chance to meet other people with disabilities and they can they're all of a sudden immersed in their own world it's like ooh i am i'm in i call it, i call myself like the the edge of two worlds because i am so like with the dis disabled people i can like hang out with them we're fine we're good we make fun of each other's disabilities all the time i can't do it in the other world because in the underworld i sound like really mean <laughs> i sound and, but then in this world, like, there's people asking you for a charger to charge their leg. Like, there's no, there's no in-between the two. That's why, like, associations are so important because you meet these people and it's like, I, I, I'm like you. Like, we've gone through the same things. I met this girl. This is the first person I met who was my age with my classification because, because of the fact that I am able for a CP athlete, I had, um, I never really met someone with my level of functioning before. I, I had, but they were, they were older, like late 20s. My wish came true, which I would like to think I was ecstatic about, but the competitor in me was like, there is someone else here, and I don't know if she's better than me or not. <laughs> she showed up, her name was Aubrey. She showed up the a week after the tri-state meet. She showed up and I saw her, and she's like 5'8". I am five foot. And then her mom is coming over. She's like, yeah, she jumped four and a half meters in the long jump. She runs like a 13 second 100. And I was like, and there goes my crown. Here, take it. <laughs> and I was very nervous. But the first event we had was long jump. This was the first event we had together. So we did the long jump. And about two jumps in, I started, I started talking with this girl. Have you ever had, like, and then she'd be like, oh my god, yeah, same thing happened to me. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. So then we would go back and forth and back and forth and talking about how like I had a problem and she had the same one. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, there's someone else who's gone through this too. And that feeling as like an adaptive athlete is so nice because you can like relate to people that you never thought you'd be able to relate to. A lot of adaptive sports is finding like a community within the sports and it helps so much that we're able to do these Thank you so much for having me. Tuned into our podcast series lately? Join our listeners in 90 countries who enjoy learning about the work of Kessler Foundation. Listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was recorded and was edited and produced by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation.